Welcome to another edition from Perspectives from Rothschild Co. My name is Laura Kunlin, and for today's edition, I am once again joined by our global investment strategists, Kevin Gardiner and Victor Balfour, to discuss recent events and markets. So yesterday, I walked across Paradeplatz, which is the main banking square in Zurich. And whereas a couple of weeks ago, the atmosphere there was rather gloomy, with many camera teams standing around, it was blissfully calm yesterday. Which also brings me to my first question to you, Victor. Last month, the focus was on contagion within the banking system and the takeover of Credit Suisse by UBS, as well as the panic around Silicon Valley Bank was very much at the forefront. Only a few weeks have passed and that banking stress has receded. What's our latest view? So I think you're right. Those those risks do seem to have faded quite a bit. Um, I think I sort of see this as of moving from the kind of panic phase to perhaps sort of one of, of kind of lingering uh, concern. Um, but there are you know positive signs that we've seen over the past few weeks. You know, measures measures of stress, for example, have, have receded quite sharply. Whether we're looking at cost of insuring against defaults within the major banks or interbank borrowing costs, um, bank stock prices. Um, you know, they fell nearly a fifth through this episode, and they, they've retraced some of those losses. Um, and then another sort of looking at the kind of Fed's lending data where we can see usage of their kind of emergency borrowing facilities you know these have started to kind of subside um in the past couple of weeks so there are sort of positive signs um out there that said i don't want to suggest that this risk has entirely gone away you know these developments have certainly refocused sort of cyclical risk if you like um you know stress has faded um, but i think it's going to be some time before we can see if established i guess if bank lending has been hit uh, harder um, and of course, there are still certainly a few regional U.S. banks, which are you know, very much in focus at the moment. I guess what gives us some comfort is that the system is generally safer. You know, banks are better capitalized. They're more liquid. Um, and the central banks are, are very visibly on high alert at the moment. So you know, back to your question, I think in terms of contagion risk, that seems contained for now. Um, but we are, of course, watching this closely. So, Kevin, beyond the banks, can you give our listeners your latest thinking on the economic backdrop? What about the growth picture? And also, inflation appears to be moving lower, but there are some signs that it is proving a bit stickier than we might have hoped. No, that, that, that's right. I mean, remember, for most of the last year, we've been in a climate in which many people have been saying very confidently and assertively that a big economic setback is just around the corner. It's not happened. The global economy has remained remarkably resilient. And here in Europe, one of the big worries, one of the big threats to growth is actually turning into a, a much more positive uh, tailwind rather than a headwind. I'm thinking in particular about the energy squeeze. Gas prices have collapsed, and that's increasingly something which is going to boost growth rather than something which could, could hold it back. And in the meantime, although interest rates have risen a long way, in real terms, monetary policy is not that tight. So the global economy is hanging in there. It's looking remarkably resilient. And yet alongside that, even though, as you say, the inflation story has been patchier than we would have wanted it to be, we think it's still pretty clear cut that inflation risk is subsiding, even without that big economic setback, probably because the supply side of the global economy is proving much more flexible than people had feared. So those declining gas prices, the improved freight charges globally, the flexible labor supply that we're seeing, all of those things are suggesting to us that although it is indeed a patchy story, it's still nonetheless right to be suggesting that inflation 
both headline and core rates is likely to be declining over the months ahead. So it's almost as if we're facing potentially good news, at least relative to the last 18 months or so, on both growth and inflation fronts. Turning to the topic of monetary policy, emerging market central banks have mostly stopped hiking interest rates. Are the developed market central banks following suit? So the short answer is yes, but I think we've got a little further um, to go. Um, but one thing, you know, banking stress has eased, as I you know, mentioned a little bit earlier on. Um, if you go back a month ago, there was this feeling that you know, heightened, heightened banking volatility uh, and the implicit, I guess, tightening of, of additional tightening of financial conditions might reduce the need for them to you know, keep hiking interest rates. Now, in reality, you know, all of the big central banks pressed ahead with with you know pushing interest rates higher in March, you know, and I guess that's testament to still addressing some of those underlying economic forces, which which Kevin just alluded to. You know, growth is holding up, uh, inflation is still still elevated, um, but you know we've travelled a long way, and we are probably entering the final stages of this interest rate cycle. You know, the the emerging market central banks they were as you, as you mentioned, or they were the first to tighten, and now they are mostly on on hold. Um, as for the kind of big developed market central banks, you know, the Fed probably has a, another hike to go. Um, there's perhaps a couple more in the case of the European Central Bank, Bank of England. Um, but I should say we don't think that widespread easing is likely this year. You know, we still see this as more of a, a kind of plateau um, rather than rather than a peak, if you like. And Kevin, what does all of this mean for the markets then? Well, if inflation really is rolling over, albeit patchily, if we're close to the peak on or plateau on interest rates, and if at the same time the global economy is not collapsing, so corporate profitability is going to remain pretty resilient, then this might not prove such a bad climate for both bonds and stocks going forwards. So for most of the last 18 months, of course, both of those markets have had a really difficult time of it. But this sort of macroeconomic climate is suggesting to us that things are going to look a little bit brighter in the second half of this year, obviously banking risk uh, per permitting. So we started this year thinking that the big investment questions that we would face in 2023 wouldn't be so much you know, when to sell, but when should we be buying both stocks and bonds? Now, we've recently been keener on stocks than bonds, but as I say, we, we, we could well be moving into a situation in which we should be adding to both of those asset classes. We're not quite there yet. We want to see that interest rate risk and some residual uncertainty about corporate profitability dispelled a little bit further. But we think the big issues for this year will indeed be when to buy, not to sell. Great. Many thanks to the both of you. So before we conclude, one last question. You have an exciting weekend ahead of you next week, a weekend of splendor traditions dating back a thousand years, as the BBC described it this morning. How is our London office preparing for the coronation of King Charles III? Quietly suppressed excitement, I would say, Laura. <laughs> Great. Looking forward to hearing more about it the next time we speak. Thanks again. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed in this episode, please go on www.rothschildandco.com forward slash insights. Thank you for listening. Please note, this audio content is produced by Rothschild & Co for information purposes only, and any reliance on the information provided in it is done at your own risk. 
This content should only be used or reproduced with the express written permission of Rothschild & Co. The podcast is not provided as a solicitation, recommendation or invitation to buy or sell any security, fund or any other banking or investment product. Nothing in this podcast constitutes advice of any sort and no responsibility is accepted in relation to the fairness or accuracy of it. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and you may not recover the amount of your original investment. Past performance should not be taken as a guide to future performance.